what's going on, my money crazy lunatics? Welcome back to another episode of the Wall Street Junkie Podcast. This episode's a special one. I had a guest, Rohan Shah, founder of Snap Wealth, on this podcast to just talk about entrepreneurship and markets. He's a young buck. He manages a, a pretty large Instagram page that he started when he was 14. So kind of just to dive in on his mindset, what drove him to do it at such a young age. You know, he's currently a student at Vanderbilt studying economics, and we'll get into his background when he introduces himself. But again, guys, fantastic guest. And for you guys that are a part of Snapwell's community and you're tuning into this podcast for the first time, I welcome you. Thank you for, for taking time out of your day to listen to me. A little background for those of you who do not know anything about me. I'm currently 26 years old. I spent six years in the Army National Guard, and during that time, I got my undergrad and my master's in um, economics, and during that time as well, I also spent uh, three and a half years as a mortgage-backed securities trader at a bank, and was also able to, fortunately enough, earn my CFA charter, and I just actually earned a designation um, about a month and a half ago. That's a little bit about me. I have a huge passion for financial markets and a huge advocate for obtaining that financial freedom. And for me, I, I preach about starting early and I'm really a long-term investor by nature. I love this idea of earning passive income through investing. So I, I'm, I'm more of, I really preach index funds and ETFs as, as a new investor, just tuning into this channel. That's kind of what I go for, but I always talk about it a slew of different topics, real estate index funds, like I talked about, personal finance, and then active investing as well, because part of my portfolio, I certainly do look to take advantage of opportunities in the market. So that's a little bit about me, guys, and I hope you enjoy this one. Yep, thanks for having me. Um, you know, uh, uh, yeah, so I'm a freshman at Vanderbilt University. I'm studying economics. Um, so I first uh, got into... Uh, making an Instagram account. I've always been interested by financial markets. Yeah. I got into making an Instagram account around freshman year of high school, and that's when I created Snapwell. What? Why? As a freshman, I mean, as a freshman for me, I feel like I was playing video games and just screwing off most of my time. That's pretty impressive. What you know? What kind of drove you to do that as a freshman, fourteen years old? Yeah. Uh, exactly. I like. I, I don't know. I was like bored. And I read about like how social media, uh, social media can like professional pages on social media, not just for like the personal like purpose of it could c continue to grow like right. pages that you know our businesses and whatnot. And often I just wanted to create a sense of, I feel like with uh, younger individuals, it's like harder to like, like they think the financial markets are too complicated because of all the terms and right. all, like just the. Uh, it's like the, the the environment of it is complex, and I just wanted to make it simple, so I you know, started down. doing it. Right. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you know, I started off small. I just like pretty much I didn't make my own content for a long time. I just like was reposting things and stuff. Sure. Then uh, quarantine started last <laughs> March, and yeah. that's when the content really leveled up for me. Really? Okay. And so is that when you saw the page really start blowing up? Exactly, yep. So where were you at the beginning of COVID and where are you at now as far as growth? I'm just kind of curious for my own kind of brand as I'm doing the same yeah. thing you're doing. Yeah, so beginning of COVID, I was around like uh, 3,000 followers. Okay. Uh, yeah, three or 4,000 right there. Yeah. And, um, and then I started... Uh, pushing out my own content like designing like the posts as you see now yeah and then growth started picking up well it was also because everyone was at home right so they were just on instagram and whatnot i love that you kind of picked up on that trend i mean that's pretty good for someone your age so you just started freshman year um uh, back in the fall right yep I started in the fall yep exactly. okay and you're studying economics. I know we were talking offline, but why economics for you and not finance like most people do when they're really interested in the markets? Yeah, so um, I think uh, I chose economics because it's more broad. You yeah. get more like uh, you get a more of a holistic perspective of it. Sure. Not just uh, finance and just not just stocks, but you get like the 
you get a perspective of how everyone is affected by the economy. Yeah. You know, not a certain group of people. And I think it's more it's more intellectually stimulating that way. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. It's a little bit more complex, too. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's a little more complex. And, uh, you know, like I like um, having, you know, financial markets as that like side passion. Right. I'm just continue to learn about it as my own. What are some of your career aspirations, you know, going forward? What are you looking at doing? Yeah, uh, you know, I, as you can imagine, I get that question a lot. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, not really, sh- not a really 100% sure on any specific pathway. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking maybe, you know, maybe I'll end up like just going down the Wall Street path. But that like, you know, like I've heard of so many people talk about like the the bad work-life balance you have. Right. Going down the Wall Street path. Uh, maybe I was thinking about maybe, uh, you know, like in the future would want to work at like one of those think tanks like that, you know, like combines public policy and economics. It's huge with economics. A lot of guys end up, you know, go- getting into that think tank world. You know, it's just more stimulating. Exactly, yeah. yeah, I like that. And, That's good. What else yeah, you got? And man? I was thinking um, maybe uh, like my, my, I think for our goal would be like somewhere in fintech. I think oh. that's an ever-growing field. Okay. What What do you like about fintech? And are you invested in it? Yeah. So I, I like, like my favorite company, one of my favorite companies, as you know, in the, the fintech space is Square. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I, I like what they've been doing in terms of like all these like new new like unicorns like Square, you know, like through their Cash App, Robinhood, and all those like fintech companies. I like how they're making it simpler yeah. for like new people to enter the market. Yeah, so that, that's like mainly what I wanted to create Snapwealth for, and then fintech is doing the same thing. So I I see the synergies there. So it's okay. pretty cool. Just you know, for your community, if they tune into this podcast, I guess I'll just kind of briefly tell tell them you know what i'm about so you know i spent a few years doing the wall street deal right i did a few years as a mortgage-backed securities trader and much like you i got my undergrad and uh master's in economics and then you know got my cfa charter as well but then this last year during the pandemic i decided to pursue like that entrepreneurial passion i had so you know here i am now you know i do real estate on the side and this podcast and uh, Instagram full time. <laughs> yeah, you got a lot of things going on. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah, how, you, how you're able to make that switch. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. I think for you, I know you're super passionate about the markets, and I think for you, if you're wanting to get into the markets, I think it's a great idea to get into the Wall Street space. I, I couldn't recommend it enough. It really gives you like this crash course in markets. You know, the work-life balance is non-existent, as you know, but I think, you know, if you do two or three years, that's probably the equivalent of six to seven years of a nine to five. So with two to three years of Wall Street experience, you can quit and kind of carve your own path after that, so to speak, especially with someone like yourself who's got an entrepreneurial mind. I, I That's how I would look at it, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good idea. Like, just like, you know, like use it as like an entry level type thing. You know, you don't have to stick with it if you don't enjoy it. Oh yeah, I mean, it's- dude, most people wash out of Wall Street after like two or three years. It's like a ninety percent attrition rate. You know, and I'm sure you know this. Most of them end up in you know hedge funds or private equity, and you know, or entrepreneurial stuff like venture capital. That's just typically is is what people do. It's because they can't handle uh, Wall Street, and I don't freaking blame them. I couldn't either. I know it's intense and it's just like they don't do it. I feel like they don't do enough to like make, make it like work for the employees. No, absolutely not. You know, so what, uh, what kind of trends are you seeing in your age group, you know, as investors, you know, what are you seeing? I, Cause I'm a little disconnected. I'm, you know, eight, nine years older than you. What are you seeing? I know you talked a little bit about it, you know, just the simplicity of what you're trying to put out. You know, what other trends are you seeing? At people your age when oh, it comes I, I, to investing yeah definitely think with the pandemic like since a lot of people were at home you know like we were like forced to pick up on new hobbies and yeah. uh new new interests right in our in our spare time and i think uh like a lot of people i knew like before covid they weren't interested in stocks whatsoever yeah right? like it wasn't the thing and especially my age right 
Sure. They didn't even care. No, it was something, you know, they just glanced aside. And then once uh, we had, like, once a month of quarantine went through and everybody was done, like, was bored of watching Netflix shows every day. <laughs> Tiger King and all that, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, once once all the, like, once they were bored of Netflix and TikTok, you know, they, you know, they were like, we need, I need to, like, pick up on something new, like, find some way to improve myself. Right. You know, and a lot of them picked up on stocks, you know, they were interested in it. Sure. And I saw that trend pick up, especially with the growth of the account. People wanted, you know, people wanted to learn about markets, right? But they didn't want to read a book. No. Yeah, it's hard, man. Not. Yeah. I mean, look, these books have great information, man, but it's hard to convince someone your age or even mine to pick up a 400-page dry book written in the 30s, you know? Uh, Yeah, exactly. And then, um, (laughs) you know, they just want to... You just want like the information, you know, no, like no BS, no just BS. give me the facts and then like, let me do what I like, let me, um, you try it out. It's the now, now, yeah. now movement, man. They want it now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And especially because like, you know, with this, like, since we saw like an impressive bull market, everybody's like, you know, you see those people on uh, TikTok and Instagram, they're like, you know, how do you make 400% in a day? You know, like all those young people are like, oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. Yeah, what does that worry you a little bit? Your age, it worries the hell out of me. I mean, it does. It does. No. It's because so many of the new investors who have entered the like, who, or especially my age, who are entering the market now yeah. for the first time, they think this is how it goes every year. You know, <laughs> once, once it initially, once is like maybe one year out from today, maybe we could see like you know the market won't go up every day, and they won't be used to that. Oh you know, yeah, they won't be prepared for that. Right. How long have you been in the market? I know you're young, but how it sounds like you've been in a little bit longer than most people yeah. your age. I had a custodial account before I was 18. Nice. Okay. Like I could do like investments like my and my parents would like uh would be like the custodian on the account to ensure everything because I was too young then. But yeah, um and especially like seeing it now, like because like 2 years ago, 3 years ago even you know, you could see the market wasn't going up every day. The market could just like, you know, that's not how it works. That's but not now, how it works. Day, right. Yeah. Have this like influx of money just coming in every day because everything like people are desperate to make like returns because of the Fed and what they're doing, you know, just printing money. It was printing money. You know? And I, I felt like and we saw this like elevated savings rates for so long and people just had extra cash exactly. to put in the market. So that new retail investor was reinvigorated and started to YOLO it all on Wall Street bets. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like I, I didn't really um, – at first when I thought like when the market was going down last March, I was like, oh, no. Like I didn't think that people had savings to dig into. Like Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, like put it back into the market once it started going up. And then you saw it in like May, like every day we were just like, boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. You know, and uh, it definitely intrigues young in uh, young people, right? Because they were just like sitting at home doing virtual school and they were like, you know, I can make money like <laughs> at the same time while I'm in class, like investing in stocks. Uh, it's right? misleading, but it's also a yeah. good thing because as you know, I mean, the best way to build wealth is to start early. And man, I exactly. wish I started at your age because you definitely started before I did. Um, and yeah, that's exactly wow. the power of compounding makes time like the weapon. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And exactly like you pointed out now, the challenge is how do you, you know, how do you tell these young investors that this is not how every day is going to be? Like, how do you make them stay in this for the long run? Because you don't want them like one year from now when the time the market get out. I'm out. I'm done. Right. Yeah. yeah, I I I mean I don't believe in like timing the market either, like timing your exits, because that just never works well for especially new investors because they're they get so opinionated and emotional. It just never really ends super well. And that's what I worry about. You know, what's your current strategy? You know, and how has it evolved over time? Like, how do you look at your portfolio and, and what is your approach? Well, current strategy, like in terms of investing, I, you know, like I have that, the one, you know, I started my Roth IRA at 18. My man, uh, look at you. <laughs> you know, oh. that's just, that's just, that's just pegged towards the market. You know, like I'm not trying to do, I'm not trying to be like, 
you know, greedy with that. That's just like index okay. funds, like just the normal spy. Nice. And um, in terms of investments, you know, you know, I like, um, you know, I am a bit of a more aggressive person in terms of like, you know, I like investing in growth companies, sure. like like the, those disruptive companies. Yep. So I have, uh, you know, probably like 20% there or 25% there and then 25% in dividend stocks, right? Like that, we, that you can try to like make monthly year incomes out of. Okay. Do you do but get yeah, this exposure from ETFs? So like for your disruptive plays, are you going individual companies or are you looking at like ARC ETFs or, you know, what's your play there? Yeah. Uh, so I, the ARC ETFs I own, like, yeah, I, I, both of them okay. pretty much. Like, I have the, the ARC ETFs, like the five main ones. I didn't get into the space one because I thought that was kind of just like um, low-key because uh, it, I think the number one holding, like number two holding in the space ETF was like Netflix. And it's like... <laughs> Where, they, they might know something we don't though. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Oh, Everybody's going to watch Netflix from Mars. <laughs> well, see, that's what I saw, right? Like when I looked at that ETF, I'm like, well, so where's where are the space companies? I'm confused. Exactly. So I... I <laughs> You know, I feel like the space thing may be like a, a little far-fetched. Sure. That's just my personal thing. You know, they definitely have much better research than I, than I have my hands on. Yeah. So it's probably not. I, uh, I think it is. Uh, I think it's a little far-fetched. So I didn't get into that one. Yeah. Uh, like some of my favorite companies uh, uh, like that I invested in personally, not through the ETFs. You know, I like um, Airbnb. Okay, well, um, what's your play there? What are you seeing in Airbnb? Oh, I'm seeing like the opportunity because uh, hotels, like first of all, hotels have to own property; they have to own the real estate, right? Yeah, and that's Airbnb, tough right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Airbnb, um, like it's, it's decentralized. Like yeah, yeah, it's like Uber is the biggest taxi company in the world, but they own no cars. Airbnb can become the b biggest real estate company in the world. But they own no homes. <laughs> I didn't think about it that way, but I mean, I don't disagree at all. I like Airbnb's business model. So I think, okay. uh, I think another thing is like, since they don't like, since you were forced to clean up your own space, they don't need, they don't have any like labor costs, like people cleaning up maintenance and all that. Overhead's fairly low. Yeah. No. Yeah. That, that, that stock's definitely overvalued. Right. We both know like everything's elevated right now. Yeah. So like that's why I just keep like especially with these companies, I just keep position uh, pushes position sizes small right now because th this is Airbnb's like, th their valuation doesn't match its financials. Right. It's more of just like the on the idea. So do you right? trade in and out of your positions or do you just, you know, w what is your strategy there? Like, are you swinging these positions or are you just kind of allocating your capital? just differently based on where we're at yeah, in the so market. Like I have exactly. So I have like a portion, like, uh, I guess like a, I guess a portfolio that's just long-term. Yep. Right? Like I'll buy on like, like if it's down like 20%, like just buy on like random corrections and dips. Yep. It's like the, you know, the future stocks, like the arcs, the, the Airbnbs and the other ones, you know, that's just like the future plays. Okay. And then, um, and then I trade like just swing trade, just to build to just to benefit off the short term price movements in the market. So I have like a long term portfolio, and then I have the the short term stuff. Okay. And what do you look for? You know, when you're doing swings, what are you? You know, what is your plan there? Uh, main plan is pretty much just to benefit off of um, oversold stocks right like stocks that got slammed down and then see if there's anything in the chart like if there's uh, a pattern or you know okay uh, so you're doing more technical analysis from your yeah. swings okay yes yeah, swings are mainly technical right okay and the fun fundamentals i use for investing yep exactly what kind of technicals do you use when you're doing these swings i'm not i, I don't do a whole lot of technical trading um not any, so I'm just kind of curious for my community out there who's somewhat interested. What what are you looking for? What pattern? What I'm looking for is, um, you know, charts that are testing support. Yeah. If you can, uh, uh, I use the moving averages, right? The 
50 50 and 200 yep, yep. exactly well, do you use any so mac d or rsi i know those are pretty popular i'm not sure what your stance is okay the, i think the mac d is like like everyone says like you know since it's like basic a lot of people like don't like recommend it but it's old but gold it's 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 one of the best indicators out there you know and what do you look at when for a buy signal what are you looking at for the mac d I haven't done it in so long. Where are you looking at that to cross? Um, a pretty much uh, like when the short term, the blue, the for me, it's like the short term line, which is uh the twelve, the twelve day moving average. Okay. Above the twenty six moving day average. So like for me, okay. on my watch, it would be like the blue line crossing over the orange line. That's when I know the buying pressure is starting to pick up, and I can get in it. And do you look at that in conjunction with your RSI just to make sure they're kind of saying the same thing? Right. Just, yeah, use them as confirmation tool. I use the RSI mainly exactly like how you said it, as a confirmation tool because I don't think it tells the whole story by itself. Sure. But, like, if it's, like, pointing at the same direction, then you can do it with more conviction. You can be like, boom, got it. Okay. What, uh, so you got dividends. What what other kind of plays, what other sectors do you like to get into or strategies do you like in your portfolio? Are you a value? I guess you don't do much value, do you? You're more of a growth guy? I, I'm a growth guy because I think um, like two years ago, I was really – like when I first got into the market or when I first learned about it, I guess, I was purely value, right? Like that's how I thought things were supposed to work, right? Like you have to look at cash flow and all that. Yep. You know, I was one of those people who was like, like when I first got it, this is when I like knew nothing. I was like, Amazon's so overvalued. You know, like, what the heck are they? <laughs> like, what is that? Right, yeah. This is so overvalued. I used to say that all the time. And um, I guess the thing people get, uh, and I still do look at cash flows and stuff, but I think I guess the thing that people often mistake is value investing shouldn't be like, shouldn't be closed off. It's kind of like left up to your own interpretation right. of like what that value is. Yeah, because they can right? bleed I'm, into each other. Right, because people like me said Amazon was overvalued three years ago, but it turns out the market kind of priced that perfectly, right? Yep. Now they're $100 billion quarters. Right? <laughs> That's crazy. Are you worried that people price growth too far in the future and then they're left with no upside? Are you worried about that? Like when Definitely. you're looking Especially at... Especially now. Right. Yeah, that's what I get worried about. That's what I tell people. It's like... That's why, uh, like I was saying, for the growth stocks that I hold today... Yeah. That's why they're small positions. They're not like the full positions that I want to hold. Because I'm like, I know six months from today, or maybe in a year from today, those growth stocks aren't going to perform the same way that they did the past two years. Yeah. Because... You know, inflation's gonna go up. You know, the economy's back on track. You know, maybe interest rates will go up. You know, that changes the fundamental value of like cash, right? Because right, right now, cash is cheap, and people are just throwing it at these growth stocks. Like, go. But so as you know, rates go up. Other other avenues, other asset classes look more attractive, as you've seen. Yep. Yeah. What is your take on the economy? What are you, What are you feeling? You know, for 2021, are you investing aggressively or are you a little bit worrisome about the economy? Because it seems to be on stilts. People are still feeling like it could go either way. Uh, I think I think uh, I'm more of on the the bullish case of the okay. economy. Yeah, so am I. In the beginning of the pandemic, you know, I'm from New Jersey, so the beginning of the pandemic, everything there was closed. Sure. Like everything was shut must down. have scared the shit out of you. <laughs> and I was, you know, the economy, man, like what's going to happen? Even in September, when I, uh, before I came to college, right, everything still in New Jersey was really slow. So sure. I was like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe the economy is not going to pick up as fast as people say it is. And, you know, right now I'm in Nashville and places are alive. Like you wouldn't even think a pandemic was going on or like <laughs> was ever a thing. Right. right? Yeah. But people are just ready. I guess all that pent up demand, you know, the media kind of like said like, Oh, everybody's just going to vacation and like you know, go out this summer because everybody's so tired of sitting at home. You know, people are going out. So I definitely think the economy, you know, 
they've done a good job, I guess, like from just the macro economic point of view is like of keeping, you know, because I think for the next six months, you know, the economy is going to be bullish. People are going to yeah. spend, people are going to go out. I mean, I just hope we see the strong job growth because that's kind of what I feel like is, you know, keeping that inflation story alive is like if inflation runs rampant and then you don't have the job growth to support it, then it's like, uh oh, it's kind of a mismatch. Um, but what are you feeling on inflation? What are you thinking? Um, well, the problem is I feel like uh, I think inflation is going up. We're seeing it. I, I, I can see it. Like if, I think it was corn prices, like food prices are going up. Like if you go out and eat, you can notice it pretty much like food prices are going up. Yep. Um, I definitely think inflation is coming. But I think the way the Fed measures inflation is like, like is is not like accurate so therefore like their measure won't be as be like higher in real real life than their measure would indicate yeah okay yeah so you think they're a little okay yeah i've heard that too because they measure it they measure it i feel like their measure is outdated but it's also because it fits their agenda to like make sure inflation's low so they can keep like you know Print printing money. more money right <laughs> but Look at the cost of living in like a lot of these places. It's going up, right? Oh, like little yeah. things like tuition costs, like tuition sure. costs going up. I mean, where I live in California, housing prices have, have gone up 25% in a year. Right? The real estate market is rocked, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, it is. So you can, you can see, you can see the inflation. I, 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 I definitely think, you know, it's going to be there, but like, the, you know, the Fed remains um, like, rigid yeah. about the fact that they won't raise rates for another no, year or two. They're pretty dovish, man. And you know, maybe I don't know, we'll see. Only time will tell. It's one of those things, dude, that economists are are notoriously wrong all the time. So it's really hard. It's like a wet finger in the wind. You kind of just, you know, <laughs> it could go either way. You never know till it actually happens. Yeah. I definitely think inflation's on the rise right now, but We'll see like how it goes for the next six months, but a lot of people are saying the Fed is off, but like they also, you know, are monitoring this like every day. Yeah. But I, I guess, I guess they don't see it. I don't know. I don't know either, man. I do not know. So, you know, what are your favorite sectors? What were your favorite sectors last year and have they changed? And, you know, what are you looking for in 2021? Uh, definitely last year, my favorite sector was the tech sector, right? Yeah. I, I, you know, you realize that rates are going to zero, you know, money is cheap, you know, people are going to be more speculative with that money since they know that they can borrow at a lower cost. Yep. You know, so I, um, you know, uh, I know we, I know your favorite holding is Etsy, right? So oh, that, that's you how know it, man. <laughs> I love it. Etsy too. And exactly, um. Like, uh, my older sister, you know, would sell things on Etsy and that's how I learned about it. I didn't even know about the stock. Sure. Yeah. I learned about it. And it's like, Etsy story, like, um, it's, it's Etsy's like investment thesis is so good because like, you know, you go to these developing countries, right? Yeah. You know, they're making like these small little like object, like small little like goods, right? Like designer goods mm -hmm. and whatnot. And they're making, they're working before they used to be they used to be forced to work for like companies like Nike for like cheap labor right yeah and yeah now they can now they can make their stuff on Etsy and put it out there and keep all the money they don't have to give it to anyone else yeah it's kind of like that microfinance piece they're they're kind of serving the underserved so to speak yeah i like that portion if you like Etsy, uh, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Fiverr you should look at Fiverr i i do know art is Fiverr publicly traded publicly traded fvrr fvrr okay guys you heard it here kind of like fever i it's know what yeah I, i've used fever for my logo and things of that nature i just didn't know they were publicly traded because like they're pretty much like etsy but for developed countries right because it's like services and stuff right like you can hire a coder for like a week if you for small businesses it's like gold because you could just get like a programmer for a week or you could get a designer for a week and that's it Yep. Other favorite holdings, uh, Fastly. That's one of my top holdings, especially now because it's like 
it's way up. It's fifty-two week high. Okay. And what uh, what so, what's your play there? What do you like about it? Besides the fully long-term play. Yeah. Um, I think uh, me, it's it's a bet. Like that that play is more of a bet that the internet is just gonna continue to dominate our world every single day because I learned that fastly fastly what they do is they just um provide like a speed and they make a content faster for like Facebook videos, TikTok videos, right? So like loads right away by yeah. building these servers all across all across the world. Like for, for the people that listen to the podcast. That's what they do. So I definitely think that's a like people are gonna want faster speeds in developed countries and it's crazy to think about, but a lot of the world doesn't even have internet access yet. And once they get internet access, they get on the internet. The internet's going to get slower, and they're going to need companies like Fastly to you know, mm-hmm. speed it up. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Man, there's yeah, there's so much I don't know out there too, man. I kind of stay in my circle of, circle of knowledge, but I, I like that. And what's the ticker for that? Just for you know, my guys listening. F-S- yeah, FSLY. FSLY. Okay. What's your least favorite sector right now? What do you what are you super bearish on? Super bearish probably at least for the short term biotech. Mm. Okay. I'm not a big biotech investor, but like they they just haven't been, you know, I feel like often uh they get overlooked because it like goes for the high flying tech stocks when it is a you know like low interest rate environment right the and safe haven you know, yeah exactly and then when interest rates go up you know they flee the speculative name so biotech kind of gets left left under the mix yeah but this year i'm definitely bullish on energy energy mm. and banks you know it's definitely a change yeah I, I love banks and i love energy that's what i talk about all the time you know, are you getting exposure to these sectors from an ETF or index fund or, you know, what, what kind of energy stocks or financial stocks are you bullish on? Yeah, so I pretty much uh, these are the ones that I am bullish on. Uh, I just hold for like swing trade for like a couple months, like two to three months I hold them for. Okay. I don't hold any in like my long-term accounts. Gotcha. Okay. That's mainly like just like growth i guess and like some dividend stocks but like uh you know boeing boeing i first well boeing's technically not yeah it's not an energy stock but for the reopening trade i held i you know traded boeing from november to january that was a big win for me because boeing was like crushed then yeah it was it, i mean it was yeah. crushed from covid and what uh what return then, did you make from that what did you get on that i got i got in at um Okay, so I got in around uh, uh, 160. Okay. I played it till 200, uh, 220. I nice. sold out of it then. So that was December. That was, yeah, two, it hit 220 in December, then I sold out of it. And then I think in January again, it hit 190, got in and played it till 240. Oh, okay, so, so you're getting 35, 40% returns. Okay. There you go, baby. <laughs> That's awesome. And then, uh, back, thank you. And then Bank of America and City, those are my two banks that I bullish on. Like all, all of them, pretty much though, I'm bullish on. Same, yeah. I was a big, well, I'm a still a big J.P. Morgan holder. But uh, you know, what's your case on B of A? I know you know uh, Warren Buffett was has a large position Buffett, in it, so I'm just uh, curious. Big position, in it. but J- I, I think J.P. Morgan's the best in breed. Mm. I, I think J.P. Morgan's the best bank out there. Because of J- Jamie Dimon, I think they do it the best. They know they got the best management. I think Bank of America is in close second. Yep. The the stock was also cheaper. That's why I went with Bank of America. Fair enough. And why City? Why City? City City. I went into um this this is a a trade um since November. Okay. Uh, pretty much. I, I remember they they um. Announced their uh, new CEO, and the stock got sold off hard. <laughs> right, like people was, people just trade on the headlines, man. They freak out. <laughs> yeah, like it was like it was like oh, this, their CEO is gonna resign, and they're gonna have a new CEO within like a month, and it sold off hard. So I was like, and City is, in my view, um, dramatically undervalued, right? Because first of all, it was undervalued because they have. Compared to the other banks, they have higher European exposure. And yeah, their credit's shittier. 
effort. Yeah. So I was like, that was a pure just like, oh, it's undervalued. People are overreacting. Let me get in the city. Okay. Makes sense. Those are my three banks, JP Morgan, Bank of America, City. JP Morgan, I also traded, but I don't have it. I don't currently uh, hold that right now. Okay. But yeah, that's that's another short-term trade that helped in November. You know, in terms of oil, though. Um, Ooh, yeah. Let's get uh, the oil, man. <laughs> I played I played three names. I'm not, like, really well-versed on the oil names, but I played ExxonMobil. Sure. Bang, Diamondback Energy. Okay. And um, what was the other one? Valero. Okay. Yeah, those were my three plays. They, you know, January and January they did really well. February they did well too. Sure. Because they're not, you know, they're not uh, releasing more supply and demand is like picking up again. Was well, that so is that, that an OPEC play? Was that what OPEC was doing yeah. or what? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. That's, that was a pure OPEC play for me. Because like OPEC said, they're not gonna. You know, <laughs> yeah, I more. saw that. <laughs> and, oh my god! And, exa- and I was like, I was like, well, people are still people are gonna like uh, want to travel now because the pandemic's starting to you know we're starting to see this uh, pandemic end. Right. And if the demand is high and supply is low, we both know what that means. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm seeing, yeah, energy. You know, energy is up 12 percent year to date, just from a sector perspective. And they're the, they're, they they're the, yeah, they're dominating. And then financials, yeah, energy financials, typically, you know, when we're talking about like an economic recovery, kind of what we're seeing, these typically outperform. So, you know, swinging that makes sense from your perspective. Yeah, I get that. What about crypto? I know you're, you're, your age, they love crypto. Yeah. What, what do you do? You know, honestly, for me, uh, I, I read this one quote somewhere and I thought it was, I thought it was really insightful into what we're seeing with the crypto rush right now. Yeah. You know, it, it was, it had to do with the gold rush and it was like, <laughs> no one got rich mining for gold. They got rich by selling shovels. Uh, okay. So is that financial technology play for you? Is that what you're exactly? Yeah. Okay. I love that. Yes. That's why I got into square, you know, PayPal of course you did. Uh huh. Those names, because I'm like, they're the ones like selling how to like invest in crypto to these people. Maybe the crypto doesn't do well, but they still make the fee. Sure. Right. I, I love that. So, like, I love the shovel of- reference. I like that. <laughs> yeah. No, because in terms of crypto, I, I'll be the first to admit, I don't even completely get it. Like, and I, you know what? I, I love that you admit it because most everyone they, they know nothing about cryptos but they they want to be an expert on it and i would agree with you i don't know much about it either and for me that was my play on square and fintech visa mastercard i hold all those and jp morgan honestly i think those are the ones that stand to win over the long run you know as a long run yeah, investor yeah. me too know. i agree wholeheartedly because i also think like you understand what the business is doing with crypto that way like with with yeah. Square, you understand, okay, you know, they're trying to make money off of, you know, other people investing on it. PayPal is trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. JP Morgan's in a private like, you know, do the same thing, but they're institutional investors. With the crypto, you know, the only thing I understand about crypto is that there's a fixed supply. So unlike supply. unlike money, yeah, unlike unlike the US dollar, which can be printed, you know, Bitcoin is a fixed supply. And that's yeah. why it's it's gaining a lot of traction. Like so that I that through those um, uh, investments, you know, I, that's how I get my Bitcoin exposure. But like these other like other like altcoins that are like gaining in popularity, I have no exposure towards. Right. Pump and dump. Yeah. You, and you yeah. know what? You know, companies like Square, they have tremendous upside, you know, correlation when it comes to cryptos. But they have less of the downside volatility, which I like. Exactly. And exactly because I've seen so many like college kids, right? Like on, on, on the cash app, they've been trying to get into crypto and I'm like, okay, Square's <laughs> going to be the one making money out of that. So let me get into Square. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. What kind of resources do you use to, to pick your investments? You know, there's so many, so much information out there that that is probably one of the biggest reasons why people don't get invested. So what would you, what would you tell people to, uh, to use as resources? What helps you? No, yeah, I definitely agree. I think there's just so many sources out there. People like it, it just gets too much for them. So I guess uh, for trading, like specifically, like if you want to, you know, 
you know, trade stocks on like maybe like a, you know, hold a position maybe for a week or two or even for as long as a couple a, a couple months. I use I use tradingview.com. Okay. Um I use uh finviz.com for screeners or what? That's mainly for screen. Yeah, screeners exactly. Okay. Like RSI screeners and Mac screeners. That's pretty much um and also of trading I also use stock twits. Like uh like like pretty much just financial Twitter is what I'm referring to. Like on Twitter, I follow some people, mm. some tra- uh, stock trades. I follow some traders. That's pretty much what I use for trading. And in terms of like more the fundamentals and what we were talking about, like investing for the long term, right? I use uh, Seeking Alpha. You know Ooh. that that that's a place where they have like good ideas, and it's also like good to like hear other people's perspectives. Do you have a Seeking premium Alpha. account? Because I I love Seeking Alpha. I have it too. Yeah, yeah, I have a premium account. Yeah. Ooh, my man, that's that's a high that's a roll a high high roller right there, man. It's thirty bucks a month. Yeah, now, yeah, the, the, the seeking alpha, yeah, that's that's a bit of a high roller. Yeah, that's like the only thing. I, that's the only subscription I have. Like, yeah. I don't all the other websites I use uh, the free version of. Sure. Um, and then I use uh, uh, Market Beat. Well, that's pretty. Yeah, Market Beat. I pretty much use like to just find those like ratios and whatnot. Market Beat. Okay. What about news wise? Where do you get your news, if anything? Uh, pretty much just, just I keep it simple there. I you know I just pretty much just go on Bloomberg or Wall mm-hmm. Street Journal. Yeah. You no, know, WhatsApp even on the iPhone. That's pretty much it. Okay. I also think because of uh, since we're we're in, we're both involved in like the Instagram financial like the financial Instagram sure uh, portion, like we get a lot of news that way. Yeah, I think that's underrated, man. I think, uh, you know, because people are really turned off from the big news and, you know, they go to people that they trust. And so that's kind of, yeah, I like that. That's definitely why I got the podcast and the Instagram rolling is just to kind of put out your own content, create your own platform. Yeah, people want authenticity. And this is exactly what you're providing them through this this podcast, right? Like just normal people. Talking. You know, yeah, we're not like billionaire hedge fund traders right that are looking to like to push a message you know, be you know because push a message having an ul- ulterior motive you know we're just normal people yeah Talk. yeah absolutely but yeah I definitely what is your favorite investor my favorite investor is definitely is definitely warren buffett okay i think i definitely absolutely. think he's a goat i know everyone says it but like i definitely think in terms of like um Talking like in terms of investing, um, I think what I gain the most out of it is how it's a long term game. Yeah. Right. We're not in here for, uh, you know, the the odds are is that you're going to if you live till 70, you know, if you, you know, if you, as he says, if you plant a tree now, you'll live in the shade later. Mm. You know, it's all about starting early. And that's what I got out of him. And that's why I consider him the best, best investor ever, because he didn't he doesn't like. He doesn't trade every day. No, he just made money off of he just made money off of just being patient, being calm, even when you know fear is rising. And I think that sort of like, you know, like that, um, like uh, that kind of like calm uh, demeanor is what made him successful. It kind of makes it like I feel like a lot of people are like, okay, investing is complicated. I got this, that, this, that. But like he made it simple, right? You just have to remain calm. Put your money in the market remain calm keep your eye on the long term and you'll make money i mean he's the wealthiest investor because that's how he got his wealth from investing you know you got the other billionaires they started a company warren buffett i mean he started his own fund but like purely from investing in other companies which is just phenomenal yeah and it's like crazy to see his like net worth because it's like when he was like 40 or 50 he was like worth only like a couple hundred million but then since it like compounded like his investments like one year he was worth like seven billion and the next year he was worth like 17 billion it, like, <laughs> it went up like so dramatically and like, now he's probably that. worth close to 100 billion right or probably yeah, in that neck of the woods in the, not in that ballpark yeah yeah i'm also a fan of kathy wood i know she's relatively new yeah she's not truly an investor she's just like more of like a manager of the ETF. Fun manager. i enjoy her yeah I enjoy her research because I think if we are to remain in a low interest rate environment for a while, you yeah. know, those names seek to benefit. 
And I, I feel like she also, um, she also has shown the ability to adapt to like this new, I guess, like uh, technology based economy that we live in, especially in the United States. Right. Everything is like tech based now. Yeah. And you know, she does it, she does a good, good, uh, a way of like her team and her do a good job of like analyzing that. So she's uh, going in the chart. I want to see like how, if she has the longevity compared to like Warren Buffett, like can she stay in the game for a long time or is she just benefiting off of bull market? That's going to be interesting to find out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, kind of to tie it back to snap wealth, what are kind of your goals for as a young entrepreneur with snap wealth? What are your goals for 21? What are you looking to do? Yeah, um, New endeavors. I'm trying to maybe, uh, I guess, I guess the next place I want to take it is maybe make a blog. Okay. You know, maybe like uh, certain like stocks I like and like provide the thesis as to why I like them, you know, or, or you know, oh, as a way to engage the community, like if they want, if they want investment recommendations. Sure. As for what I'm in. Um, other than that, it's like, it's, it's so difficult because um, I just don't um, like, it, it just it becomes hard to balance things. Like in the September, I stopped posting for like, I think two or three months because I was busy with school. Mm. I just couldn't get time to do it. Yeah. You know, uh, so it, it's hard. Um, you know, I've gotten back to do, posting consistently. You know, I'm thinking about uh, either. Yeah, I'm pretty sure a blog is the next step. Okay. As to after that, you know, maybe maybe try to do um what about a podcast <laughs> you know I, w I was thinking about that but the problem is uh with the podcast no actually i definitely think a podcast is intriguing but like i just like it's hard to um i feel like get get started with a podcast yeah. like but once you get started it gets easier yeah but, yeah I, I definitely enjoy just like talking like on podcasts like this like about investing and stuff it's definitely an interesting thing to do I just feel like I need someone to like bounce off of. Yeah, that's what I would recommend. You know, typically I have a co-host who's always on with me. Um, you know, he's in the military, so he couldn't be here today. But I think yeah. if you're going to do it, that would be my recommendation. Yeah, just get someone to get someone to like just bounce ideas off of or it's like uh, some sort of moderator, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Just someone to bounce ideas off and shoot the shit with someone you feel comfortable with. Yeah. What about you? What's next for Wall Street Junkie? Oh man, I think um, I'm trying to get out of put out a guide out there right now. Um, oh, like one of those ebooks? Yeah, one of those ebooks. I don't I don't know if I'll charge for it though. But one of my big things is hitting that six figure portfolio before mm -hmm. you're thirty. Um, I don't know. Are you there yet? Are no. You? Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> you'll probably get there sooner than you think, though. I think, uh, yeah, you know, for me, you know, when I hit the six figure portfolio market, like it was like 20, yeah, like 24, 25, you start to see, you know, when you get a 10% return, it doesn't sound like that much, but a 10% return on a six figure portfolio starts to become really, uh, really intriguing. You're like, oh my God, you know, and, uh, you know, quickly enough, you know, it started a snowball for me. So that's kind of what I like to to preach is getting that six figure portfolio. So that's kind of my big goal for 21 is getting that out. Oh, yeah, that's good. Because like, I think exactly what you said, right? Like once, once it starts adding up, you might not think, you know, even 4% or whatever, 8%, whatever the market does is a lot. But like, once you have a high amount of principal, it adds up. Oh, it sure does. Yeah. And then it just compounds and gets ridiculous from there. Yeah. You know, what are your tips for me growing, you know, growing my brand on Instagram? How did you do that? What's, what are some tips for me or for yeah, anybody know, like, out there? Uh, yeah. Owning an Instagram account who wants to like, you know, make it big. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the number one thing is it's the simplest thing, but I definitely think it's the number one thing post consistently. Yep. You know, at a schedule and when you're going to post and consistently hit it because the way the Instagram algorithm works is that if people continuously interact with your posts, you know, they, they, they'll put it out to explore pages, you know, they'll put it in the, you know, the higher up in the pages and that's what's going to get you more followers. 
more more people and engage with uh, people in your community like you know you know if you find other like financial instagram accounts and yeah. engage with them before you know it you're getting a couple of followers here and there a couple of comments a couple of likes you know and it adds up yeah that's what i've been saying you know i so one of my big i have another podcast do you know uh the market hustle you know that page either oh i think i lost you either what's up oh can you hear me oh i don't think i can hear you can you hear me yeah, uh, I can hear you, but I can't. Oh, I can. Okay, can you hear me now? I can hear you. Can okay. You hear me? Yep, I can hear you now. Perfect. It, I got the market hustle coming on. That's yeah. That's that's nice. Market hustle is a great account. Yeah, I. He's. Yeah, his growth is phenomenal. I like looking that's, at him. That's phenomenal. Yeah, he like I reached out to him and he was like, "Oh, I'd love to." And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know. Um, so I'm kind of curious to uh, do you follow his content at all? I follow him on uh, my Instagram account. Yeah, you know, I, I, yep, I follow him. Yep. His oh, wow, his growth is amazing. Yeah, yeah. He said he would come on this Thursday, so I'm like, okay, cool, man. <laughs> that that's great. Yeah, I'm curious to know learn about how his growth too. Yeah, I'll definitely tune into that one. Yeah, tune into that one, man. Well, you know, we'll uh, we'll cut this one, man. I really appreciate you coming on. We'll have to do this again because I think it's just so valuable for someone your age to to really have competency in the market and have a good head on their shoulders. You know, would you? What are some last minute things you'd give my audience listening? What kind of tips would you give them for someone who's young? not sure if they want to get into the market yet um okay yeah some tips i would give for anyone who's young and wants to get in the market start early you know don't put don't try to time the market be like oh the next crash i'll invest no start now you know keep it simple you know you don't need to make it more complicated than it has to be you can just buy the s p 500 index fund and you'll still be technically invested yep you don't have to make it harder than it has to be and the third thing uh you know you you need a you need a calm you need to remain calm um, during any market downturn. You know, just like make sure you're you're leaving cash on the sidelines. Yep. You're not going 100% all in. Those would be my three pieces of advice for anyone trying to get involved in financial markets. I love it, man. Well, with that, we'll wrap it up. But uh, I'll let you know when this is out. Yeah. I, again, I really appreciate you coming on and talking markets with me. I had a great time. Thanks for having me, and uh, I'll, I'll look forward to coming on sometime in the future. Yes, sir. Well, you have a good one, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. See you, man. See you, man. As always, thanks for tuning in, and I look forward to next week's podcast. Stay hungry, guys.